Welcome to Founders Field Notes, the podcast where you can learn from founders how to be founders. I am the CEO and founder of Klugonics Group, Jason Klug. This podcast is sponsored by Klugonics Group, my company. We're a full-service product development and manufacturing sourcing company. We help brands and individuals that want to bring their invention to market. We help them design, engineer, prototype, source manufacturing, and manage their mass production of the consumer product of their dreams. Feel free to reach out, connect with us on our website, and we can get in touch right away and talk about your product idea. This week's episode, we have Rachel Nielsen from Rags to Rages, aka Rags. She created her brand from the ground up, starting by hand-making apparel and eventually turned it into a very successful business. She's been on Shark Tank, so you get to hear some juicy tidbits about her experience going on Shark Tank, the outcomes of that, and how it has affected her business today. Also hear about how she raised money from a very successful entrepreneur here in Utah and how valuable they have become to their business. So without further ado, here is Rachel from Rags. AKA Rags to Rachel's. You're a tangible. You're oh, co founder yeah. of that. But let's go. Let's go. So you got tangible and obviously rags. Yeah. And you're, um, but you've been doing rags for a while. Yeah. Was that your first business? Yeah. 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 Like real deal. Yeah. I yeah. always was doing stuff, but yeah. rags was like the first one that I actually. What were you seriously. doing prior? I was always doing like clothing or selling. So when I was just graduating, let's see, high school, I was sewing clothes for myself. Mm -hmm. And you're not from Utah, but anybody from Utah knows of a boutique called JMR. So it was like JMR was like the place that you could go in Utah to get like Doc Martens or... A little punk rock. It kind of was, yeah. It was cool. like a cool little edgy... It just isn't, it didn't, I guess it was at Salt Lake or was it? It was, so it was in Salt Lake. Okay. It, there, they had five locations. Okay. And this was like, it was like a little bit more of a bougie, like skate boutique. Okay. But like a little edgier, high mm -hmm. fashion. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a, like you go in there and they had like cages full of tarantulas and like. Just, oh, cool. It was, it was super yeah. rad. So I loved AMR and I was already selling shirts back then um, through like local skate shops. Mm-hmm. And one day I walked into JMR and the the owner was there and I didn't know. And he was like, dude, where did you get your shirt? And I was like, I made it. And he was like, would you want to sell those here? Mm. And I Were was you like, like screen printing them? or? So the, the whole idea was I, back then, it's so funny because everything's full circle now. Mm -hmm. Back then everything was crop tops. Mm. And I had yeah. like a really long torso and I was like, and, and thrift. Like I wore only thrift stuff. Mm -hmm. And I would go to the thrift stores and I would take stuff and then sew them down so it would fit me. Cool. And, and then I had like my own custom stuff that I mm -hmm. could make. And really all it was was just I wanted it to fit better. Mm. And I didn't want like a boxy t-shirt and they totally. didn't have that. Which like, they all are. Dude, they're all like that. Yeah. So I just made my own and yeah. he noticed it and was like, do you want to make those here? So cool. I was, yeah, I was like. So it's like a little side hustle. Totally. So. Yeah, I'm always like, I always, I feel like I have to search for shirts so much. I actually got these shirts from that, you know, that emo's not dead guy. Yes, dude, he's so he damn sold these funny. shirts. This is one of his I shirts. I saw that. No way. And I bought one, and I was like, I, I'm glad they don't have like print on it because I like yeah, blank yeah. shirts. Plain. But he's like, they're very quality, thick material, and they're are they good tape? Yeah, and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot, and they fit Matt well. Cushel. Yeah, he crushes he's it. Hilarious. Yeah, so I like bought. I thought it was funny because. 
his stuff is so funny it's and it's nostalgic so for me. Funny, but Same. then it was very. Um, but yeah, I was impressed. I was like, this thing fits well. The material's good. Dude, Brad, I'm gonna give you some rag shirts. You know, because yeah, all down. my adult friends, especially guys, yeah, always are like, dude, I need more of those. Yeah, I hate like fit. really thin shirts, and then when the cut is like boxy, dude, and it's I like bad. it a little bit longer. Yep. You know, so most shirts I feel like are like you get an XL and it's just like boxy and wide, but I would get an XL right. hoping it's longer. Right. And it's like, it's all about yeah. the fit, man. It's yeah. like, and how that's weird the hardest that? thing. That's I why I don't, totally I, agree with you. we can't do apparel here for that reason. I do. That's, it's hard. Uh, it's not easy. Pattern as making. You think. Yeah. It takes some trial and error and really, and just because the human body varies so much, mm-hmm. it's just how do you, you can't really make a one size fits all. But like, you can get you, close. You think that that would be easy, but where I think, especially with rags, but like, from the mm-hmm. very beginning, even mm-hmm. when I wasn't doing rags and making my own clothes, mm-hmm. it was all about the fit. Yeah. It was like, dude, you make this so it fits good mm-hmm. and you're golden. Yeah. And it was the yeah. same with rags. Like there's been so many people that have come and tried to rip us off. Mm. But really, I'm like, good luck trying to get that to fit yeah. normal. Because like that was years of just trial and error trying to get it perfect. Yeah, like the inseams and stuff like all that. All of it. it. It is all. And it's very minor. It's mm-hmm. like it doesn't need to. It's just minor adjustments and like. Normal normal companies will take something and they call it grading. Mm. So it will grade and you follow these grade rules as you're mm. like sizing up, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like very standardized. Yeah. And we don't have that. Like It doesn't we, scale properly a lot no, of times. Dude. So yeah. like we customized like every single size, which mm-hmm. is tricky. Yeah, but it's like the right way to do it, I think. Mm-hmm. So then you're making these t-shirts and selling them to skate shops. How old were you? Like when, what year was this? So I was, I was a senior in high school graduating, Mm -hmm. just going to start my first year of college. I was actually playing college soccer too. Okay. And, um, yeah, like I started doing it and eventually I was sewing so much and dude, I was making Mm -hmm. like when, when you're in high school, all you need is like gas money and then enough to like buy some nachos at Maverick. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like really, I didn't need a ton of money. And I knew that like those were some really prime years. So I was kind of bummed that I was stuck behind a sewing machine. Mm. So I ended up hiring like a older lady in my parents' neighborhood to help sew. Cool. And then eventually it just got so much that I just stopped. Mm. Like I was like, and you know, JMR was like, stoked on it because they were selling a grip of them. Mm-hmm. Like I would be in the halls at school and in college and see people wearing my wow. stuff. Yeah. That's or like that's rewarding. It was super rad. Yeah. But like I think one thing about myself is I was like, if I'm not enjoying it or having fun, like it's not mm. worth it. So I learned a ton. I learned like when you do this again or if you do this again, like don't be stuck behind a sewing machine. Like mm-hmm. outsource that right away because mm-hmm. you're gonna burn out. So did you, uh, like, file an LLC and do all that stuff and learn that side of business, too, at that age? I did. That's great. And then, like, tried to patent certain designs and, like, trademark my, yeah. Okay, cool. And it was all really shoddy, but. Yeah, but that's, like, to do that at that age, you build, like, such a strong platform Yeah, like, now you look back and it's like, you're Mm -hmm. kind of impressed with yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, how did you know how to do all that? And you just figure it out, you know? Yeah. I think, for me, it was, like, my first entrepreneurial thing was throwing college parties and charging for it. And that <laughs> Dude, was like, well done. And that was where there's like demand. Yeah. I like found a venue and I had a bar that, you know, my fraternity brothers and I would go drink Shut at up. and I got buddies with the owner and they had this venue and it was like, well, 
what do you do on, like on Thursdays? Can I throw like parties here? And then I would convince the other fraternities to convince me to throw their parties. And then I would throw like my own personal parties and not let them come to it. So I had like this exclusive <laughs> yeah. party vibe and it was great. But yeah, you get a little taste of things. Totally. Like when I would walk away and I would do all this stuff for this party and I would hire a band that's too expensive. And then at the end, I walk away with like 300 bucks. Yeah. I was like, damn it. Like, and that sucked. Yes. <laughs> and then I figured out like margin and stuff, right? Yeah, forces so, you into that, right? Yeah, so that was fun. Yeah. Um, cool. So then when when did you make like baby clothes? How did that work? Yeah. Was, it, was there a transition or what? I mean, I was young when I did this. I, it was called Genevieve clothing. Mm-hmm. And then um, it kind of sucked because nobody back then was getting online and buying clothes. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, you're 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 having to pay this retailer half up front because yeah. they're bringing the traffic and you're paying mm. for your like shelf space, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that was a bit painful because I was working my ass off and I was getting half the money. Mm-hmm. So stopped doing that. I continued to make my own crap mm-hmm. for myself. And then later got married, had a kid mm-hmm. and was like, this is so fun. Mm. Like you have a seven month old little boy. Mm-hmm. I get like, it. So damn fun. fun and cute, cool clothes for kids. It's, mm. it's like 10 times cooler. Yeah. Like I became like obsessed dressing this little dude. And back know? then they probably, well, when was this like early 2000? Oh, yeah. So it was okay. like 2008 is when okay. he was born. Yeah. And so yeah. yeah, things weren't as nothing. Not, not as crap. cool as stuff back then. No, dude, it was yeah. such crap. So um, made him a bunch of clothes, loved it. Like, would sell them to friends and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it wasn't until my third boy, he was almost one, when I started Rags. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was I was making my other boy's clothing. And my husband at the time was in law school. Mm-hmm. And we were really poor, truly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I got to help try to make ends meet. And this is right when Instagram kind of started. Yeah. So I was thinking I was selling my hand-me-down clothes. I was even selling my own. Like people would always buy my crap. Yeah. This is like before that was even a thing. So did you just have like a, was that when it was rags to rages then yes, pretty much? Yes, dude. That's and how you're I just selling direct with an Instagram. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. So I was like cool. taking photos in the in the night, you know, mm-hmm. get the kids down. I'd go through all their bins and start taking photos and selling their freaking clothes because I needed money. So is it more like Poshmark style one-off? Totally. Cool. Totally. Custom made. Yeah. Like, yeah, pre-Etsy. Used. It was used, dude. <laughs> That's yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I was realizing like, man, people are buying the stuff that I made them mm-hmm. like wait for a lot of money and like fast. Yeah. And, and I was laying in my bed one night and it was like 4am and it like dawned on me like, dude, mm-hmm. I could totally do this and it could go direct to consumer where, you know, I did it years prior yeah. for like adults yeah. and it was, you're giving up half your margin right out of the gate. Yep. So I was like, dude, I could totally do it. I have these wholesale accounts where I can get a bunch of t-shirts, yeah, good cut timing. into those. Yeah, and sew them up and just see what happens. So was this on a, like a, did you build like a WordPress at the time? They they didn't have Shopify back then. It was a Wix. 
Oh, Wix. Okay. Wix. Yeah. Oh, wow, Wix is even out that early. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was kind of like a blog thing, you know, template. You just right. throw in your photos and the cart's there. And, That's sweet. But I didn't even do that. So in mm. the beginning, I was just invoicing people through PayPal mm-hmm. on Instagram. Like just- That makes sense. First person like, that puts their PayPal like email, I'll invoice you later and you get the, yeah. like you get it, you just know. DM me. <laughs> Can you believe this? <laughs> That's so, sweet. So I- It's a great, great like starting story. <laughs> Yeah. Great timing. Dude, I know. Like, I I really lucked out. Mm -hmm. I had, like, Instagram was Wild Wild West. I was really poor, so there was really no risk. Because it's Mm -hmm. like, dude, it doesn't get worse than this. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Medicaid, food stamps, like, whatever, you know, anything. And, yeah, I ended up selling them through Instagram. I did one launch on Instagram, and I did, like, two grand that night. And it kicked my ass. And so I was like, I have to do a website. I have to do... Oh, doing the PayPal transactions? I, yeah, it was mm-hmm. like nutty. So then, um, yeah, I like got with a friend and we built a Wix website. No, like it's so, it was so, all the photos were just from my iPhone. Mm-hmm. The product was That's all handmade, awesome. no real patterns, like, mm. and it just spun from there. So fr- from that, you're making these one-offs. When did you start making like lines? Yeah, you know? so, I mean, Rags, biz- like our business model is really unique. Mm-hmm. And and we do limited edition drops every single week. Yeah. And then we um, we have like a basic essentials line hmm. that's more evergreen, that's like deeper in quantity. But at the sure. time when I started, I was buying T-shirts and cutting them up. And then eventually I was like, dude, I got to get this into manufacturing because mm-hmm. I learned prior, mm-hmm. you're going to get burned out. Like I was sewing, I would put the kids down and then I would work till like 4 a.m. It was gnarly. And I was like yeah. hand sewing all this crap. My mom wow. would like help. And I knew, so I like got them into manufacturing, but like we weren't doing enough in volume to be able to go out and get cool printed fabric, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I flew to LA and I went to the fashion district where they sell like remnants Mm -hmm. of like, you know, all these bigger brands, they sell their fabric in bulk for like pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. So I would buy these huge rolls and they would be like cool camo or floral or whatever. And when I, I, and then I got it into manufacturing. So I would get them made. And when those prints were gone, they really were gone for good. So it was kind of rad because it created this like scarcity. And it mm. was like an easy thing for me to be able to continually have like talking points to get people to our website. Yeah. Cause it was like, we have a new thing this week, you know? Mm-hmm. And especially as kids are growing and whatnot totally. and they're having to like up Return, yeah, their they're size. Yeah. to buy new sizes all the time. Yeah. We learned that like we, Bought way too many outfits before right. the kid got there. Yeah, the whole year. And it, but at the same time, like he would burn through them way quicker than we expected. And it's like, well, he never got to wear that one. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think everybody's guilty of that. So we're always looking for like the, you know, what to get for the next age. And then we stock up on them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. And the cool, I think the cool thing with rags is like, and why people caught on. One, it's what we were talking about, the fit. Mm-hmm. It's really unique and it fits really well. And then uh, it looks cool. It's like super simple. Doesn't it have like a quick diaper access? Yeah, totally. So it's like elastic neckline. You can slide on and off your kid. That's great. And I hated the snaps like around the legs. Hate them. Hate them. Yeah, we didn't buy anything with snaps, only zippers. Yes. Yeah. Like you just, diaper changing, especially when they get bigger, it's like this is freaking nutty. Yeah, when they're squirming and Mm -hmm. stuff. But I like the idea of like the one piece it was so simple but mm. it was so cheesy like mm-hmm. snaps are so cheesy it all looks so cheesy yeah so um that was kind of like why it even it even started was 
what mm. can I make this kid that's not like super cheesy that's easy? So are you making them in L.A. then mostly? So and- started in Utah mm. and then moved to L.A. Mm. and then uh, you moved there or just the business, no, the moved manufacturing, all the manufacturing. Okay. So like flying out there, finding a manufacturer, meeting with them. I actually got so much help in the beginning, just like mm. really That's great. weird things fell into my lap where... That's great. Yeah. Finding like good relationships you got totally. to learn from. Yeah, totally. And then uh, now we're overseas. Yeah. So, cool. But yeah. In China was, or where? No, we're in India. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And they've been good really Good textiles great. in India. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've been super great. So, and now yeah. your volume's probably good where you get to do more custom fabrics and yeah, dictate those. Yeah, like we those. do our own. So we're able to like design our own fabric now and like wow. our own prints. And you went on Shark Tank, right? Mm-hmm. I did Shark Tank too. You did? Actually, your coaster there that. was. Wait a second. Did you, see, you go on look the at air? Your I know, dude. I freaking saw. That was Mark Why Cubans. Why don't I have a coaster? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No way. They didn't air mine. Dude, that's your worst nightmare. So you know how what it's like to go oh, through all of it. Oh, I pity that the sucks. fool, man. That I'm is, so pissed. Oh, I would have been it so was, pissed. It was, we filmed it September 2019. So it would have been like the 2020 season, but you know how they like, they buy 20 episodes uh-huh. and then they add like two or three at the end. Yes. That season they ended because it was COVID. They only did 20 episodes. Will they ever I, air it? No, no way. Because that up, many seasons dude. ago. Because like the sets were different and whatnot. And yeah. So I. That, that is so much work. Yeah. It was a lot. You are the second person I've talked to that's happened to now. Yeah. Well, I feel even worse for there is a group after me. And the thing is, is that like, I'm sure I'm not supposed to talk about because you remember that contract you signed. But yeah, at the but same like, time, I don't even care. <laughs> like, because I, I had to go through all that. But there, yeah. I feel bad there was a group because you know how like they line you up in the mm-hmm. trailers and um, the trailers are like in order that you go pretty much. And there was one girl after me. It was my wife and I that did it. There was one girl after us. And then there was another company that did like athletic apparel and they literally did that girl after me and then that group who waited all day and it was like 7 p.m., you know, when we were done and they didn't even get to go do it. Oh, so, I thought about that. Yeah. Painful. It would suck because, you know, it's like all the pre-work you oh, do. Oh, I don't you, think anybody understands you that. You do the producer stuff. You get your pitch dialed. You go there and you sit in the hotel and wait and then you sit in the thing and do your practice and stuff and it's like it's so gnarly it's a lot you know oh, it's so heinous getting your set dialed and everything which they they screwed up they were like putting things together wrong on it so mm-hmm. you had to like go fix that and then you're when you're up there it's just chaos chaos you know and yeah. people don't realize that that the when the sharks are up there when you watch it it seems like they're talking one at a time but since they're individually mic'd and individually camera'd like they're all talking at the same time. I know. And it's I know. So bad. Like, you have to pick who to talk to. Totally, dude. Yeah. We've so. done it. I've done it. Yeah. I I know all of it. And then they don't air it. And then you're like, shit. I can't <laughs> even imagine. Yeah. But that had to be great for when they aired it. Cause you were in like the golden era too. Did right? Yeah. What yeah. year was that? Oh, I don't even know. How like when was 2012? that? 16, 17? Oh, okay. Yeah. 16, so I think. That was like when it was popping. Yeah, like I mean, we totally then. lucked out. It yeah. was like prime time television. Yeah. yeah, and how big were you then at that time? Were we you already were, making overseas at that we point? Were, no, it was itty bitty. Dude, okay. I went on that. I was so wild. Like, yeah. this is just so my my life. Like, yeah. 
Nanny tells me that they're here. Go try out. I'm like, right on. Okay. So I snag a rag, put it in my bag. Cool. Call my accountant on the way up. Like, hey, what's my numbers? Okay. Like, brand new. Like, I was. That's awesome. And I was like, okay. So I get up there. There's a giant line. I'm like, well, no chance. Like, whatever, you know. Because <laughs> here in Utah, they did it? Yeah. Oh, cool. They yes. did a casting here. Yeah. So cool. I rolled up and there's like a producer outside. Dude, I didn't even research what the process was. Mm-hmm. No idea. It was just like, yeah, I'll show up. And I kind of think that's the way to do it, you know, because yeah. then you're like not nervous. You're just like, mm-hmm. whatever. And the guy's like, I was like, dude, this line's massive. He's like, yeah, here's a ticket. Like, you'll be able to pitch. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be for a few hours. So I was like, right on. I'll just go back home. Mm-hmm. So I went back home, did some work, mm-hmm. did whatever. And then I like mosey back up and I pull up and there's nobody in the parking lot. Oh. And I was like, oh. You missed it. Dude. <laughs> so I look at the building and the doors bust open and it's this dude with the headset on like, hey, sorry, we got done way earlier oh. than we thought. Like. And I was like, dude, can I pitch? He's like, the producers are up there having lunch. Like, they're just packing up. And usually, I don't know what you did, but, like, I guess at these, they usually do one-on-one with a producer. We didn't get that. I They reached out to us. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, you're stoked. It was from Kickstarter, I think, is where they found us. Dude, you're so stoked. Yeah. So I was like... Well, can I still go pitch? And he's like, you like you can go up there and see, but like mm. they're all in one room, you know. So I mm-hmm. like went up there, like just poked. pitched them anyway. I remember walking like so fast, and the guy next to me like, Are "You good? Are you ready?" And I was like, "I guess." Like I yeah. don't really know, you know. Yeah. So I like poked my head, and they were all eating lunch in a room, and I was like, and they were like, "Can we help you?" And I was like, "Hey, I'm here to pitch," and they're like, "Well, we're kind of packing up. If you want to pitch, you can pitch all of us." And I was like, "Right on." Cool. So I did it, and it ended up being, like, the best thing ever because they all just sat and chatted with me for a while. Yeah, it's more casual. Yeah, and I had, like, a cool story, and my numbers were, like, pretty crazy Mm -hmm. for, you know, like— What were you doing back then? I I think I—well, I started the company with six grand. I was just folding in what I was making from (laughs) hand-me-down clothes. Yep. And I think my numbers at the time, it was, like, 740K. Okay, and pretty I'd good been numbers in business then. For like, I'd been doing it myself for yeah. like almost a year. That's great money then. Yeah, like, dude, way more so than I planned on. Yeah, versus like, I mean, when we pitched, I think we only did like 300K. Yeah, so which is great. You know? <laughs> we were like, yeah. So the, startup, that's like most of the businesses are around like that smaller stage. So like yeah. seven hundred on Shark Tank at the time it was like, like much was bigger. Yeah. yeah, and coming off of nothing, and then this weird, like this amazing community that we'd built, mm-hmm. really organic. All of it was organic. Yeah, like we had been in Vogue and Huff Post organically. I had no idea how. That's sweet. And people would reach out and be like, yeah. "Dude, congrats!" And I would not even know what they're talking about. Yeah, like it was all just very word of mouth. I knew who I wanted to get my product to. Mm-hmm. Like I seeded a grip right out the gate. Yeah, I didn't pay influencers, but it was just good product. Cool yeah, brand. so they're happy to use it. Yeah, so people just wanted to be a part of it. I was yeah. like really lucky. Yeah, and there's a lot of mommy influencers mm-hmm. in Utah. Dude, yeah, like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? I was like yeah. in the mecca of this whole that's sweet ordeal. So yeah, it so was is, a wild thing. And then and then you they they said you got the part, and then you had to go and do the recording. Yeah. Was it LA at the time mm-hmm. at Sony? Yeah. Ours was too, and then they, they moved it to Vegas during COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember which, that. Yeah. Tristan, uh, the Ring King. He the Ring was, King? He was doing—he did Shark Tank. Okay. And I was meeting him right before that, and they were in Vegas when they were, yeah. when they were doing it. Yeah, so that filming. would have been like the next year. Yeah. And one of my clients, Beth from Busy Baby, she did it that year too. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, her episode aired and she shut down Lori. No way. Which we did kind of, kind of too. Like Lori was very, she's very aggressive. Mm-hmm. She's like, no one would want to buy this. How's your demographic? And, both, <laughs> and Kelsey, my <laughs> wife, is very articulate and like very well thought out and well researched. And she gave like a very formal, a like well researched response. And Lori was like, well, mm, I'm <laughs> out. It's like, well, we were, we were not, we didn't want you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, so, Lori. Yeah, she's, Carry on. She's tough. Did you end up getting a deal? We did with Kevin. Okay. Dude, and then, of course, after it didn't, we didn't right. keep it. Right. But, you know, yeah. Dude, that's I bad. liked him. He was, liked he him was good. He's nice. Who did I, you, did you get a goal. deal? I had three offers. I took one with Robert, but I ended up not taking. After the fact? Yeah. 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 That seems more and more common. Yeah. Yeah, it, got, it just isn't smart money, honestly. Like, right. It's it's and it's overpriced and dude, to me it was yeah. kind of I remember when mm-hmm. I was doing due diligence, I was like, Hey, can I talk to anybody that's taking your money? Mm-hmm. They actually doubled their offer and offered less equity. Oh. And I think it's because they just saw the community and like yeah. the potential there. A and more I due was diligence. like I didn't need the money, you know. Mm-hmm. You can walk into a bank and get better terms, honestly. Right. So it was really for me, it was more just about the network and like how can I tap into your network yeah. and like yeah. And um, I was very realistic. Like, they have this massive portfolio. Like, how yeah. involved are they? You know? Yeah. Robert so, is pretty good, I feel like. Right? Yeah. Like, good good crew. Like, loved loved working with them. But mm-hmm. I asked them, like, can I talk to anybody that's, like, taken your money? Mm-hmm. And, like, the funny thing about that is they were, like, you're the first person that's ever asked yeah. to, like, ask other people who's worked with us, you know? Yeah. And I feel like the common narrative was, like, all these people that took their money were so bummed because the Herjavec group wasn't in there running their business. And it's like, dude, that's yeah. so naive to me. Like, yeah. you can't expect... Not in that type of... Any, it's not like they're a family office and they're taking dude, the majority. it's almost like any investor. Yeah. Like, you have to really realize... Or private equity. The, right. Like, what? why would I... If you need money, do it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, figuring out why, why am I going to take your money or, like, what can you bring to the table and then really, like, honing in on that. Yeah, and he's also like cybersecurity guy. Yeah, he so. did tipsy elves. the The funny thing about this whole deal was, I was you go in, you know this, and mm-hmm. you don't understand, you don't know what is going to happen. You right. don't even know if you're going to walk away with a deal. Yeah, like, it's nerve wracking. So it was a bit crazy having, like you said, they're all talking over each other. There's three people that are going like at me that want me to take their money. Yeah, and Damon was like the obvious choice people would say totally. right For and like peril, yeah uh-huh and but like he was such a bad negotiator on the air i was like dude you're shooting yourself in the foot i can't go with you because he was he was telling me that i should go in and rip myself off and go to all these big like walmart oh, or whatever. To hit the low game and it's like i understand that but i'm yeah. not going to agree to something like that on the yeah. air yeah because then if i ever do it people are just going to go for the low mm-hmm. price stuff at walmart because mm-hmm. they'll know that it's like rags yeah you know so mm-hmm. it yeah. was almost like there i can't even agree to you on the air even if that was my plan because my plan if that was i wouldn't want the whole world to know that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's kind of Kevin kind of did that with us too, where he's like, "You need to get on Amazon now." It's like, no, right? Or, and he's like, "You need to lower your price and get on Amazon." I'm like, "No, yeah, like that's you have not to be like we." It was actually soon after we actually raised our price and started selling more. Totally, because we were like in the in between where mm-hmm. we were like a little bit too expensive for the lower end market, right. and we were too cheap for the high end market. Yeah. And we chose to go to the high end yeah, market smart. and our sales increased and our conversion rate dro- or, or spiked. And it was like, 
And he's sitting there like, we need to lower the price and stuff. And I was like, no. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it was like, that's the, that's not, yeah. And that was like after he accepted the deal and walked up to us and told us that. And I was like, I don't know if this is going <laughs> to work, not Kevin. a good start. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, obviously. Totally. And then it was funny because I remember walking out, you know, you walk out yes. to the room and then they like get you and then they take you to the green screen mm-hmm. room and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking out of the doors and there's a guy standing there. He's like, what, what, what do you guys think? And I was like, Kevin was much shorter than I thought he was. And <laughs> I said that and I was say. like, Oh shit. Why did That's I say so that? But I just didn't know what else to say. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then we had like the awkward cart ride mm-hmm. to the other room. And I remember in there, like, you can't talk in the yep. cart and Kelsey and I are just sitting there like awkwardly, like, mm, that's so weird, huh? Yeah. And, so then, intense. and then they bring the therapist in and stuff. I don't think I had the, th- oh, maybe they I had an option there. No, they did. Yeah. They, I, it, yeah. It's so sad. I should have written all this down, but I don't remember a lot of it. Well, it's all chaos, right? Chaos. Like the whole thing. It's Dude, like, chaos. and then, and it, it's like weird because you're like waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you go and when you're waiting in the room before you go on the stage and you could hear the other mm-hmm. pitch, you know, that's also weird because like you can hear them and it's like makes you even more nervous. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. so gnarly. Yeah. But, I was, I was, went out there. So they almost didn't let me do it. My producer loved her eggs. So she was like, you got to redo your pitch, send us a video. Mm-hmm. Hail Mary, you have eight hours. So I did it. Mm-hmm. And they ended up like letting me come out. But there was half and half where like, I don't know how this chick's going to be on the air. Really? Yeah. Mm. And I, I am not a very well scripted human being, honestly. Like you get me in a room and I can jam. Yeah, just go with the flow. Yeah, but like Mm -hmm. a a script, I was like, this is hard. And so, of course, they saw that and they were like, she could be a disaster. Yeah, the robotic pitch thing was was a little tough. very hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, I went in, pitched it to like, you know, you have to do the pre-pitch and then they say like, we'll call you if you get a time. We'll call you tonight and Mm -hmm. let you know. Dude, I didn't get a call till 10 p.m. Oh. And I was like, they were like, hey, we're going to have you your second. Oh. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, so no matter fresh. what, I'll be able to go. And yeah. the sharks aren't going to be salty because they haven't been sitting there all day. True. Yeah. So I was stoked. And mm-hmm. then ended up getting on. And, like, the main producer, when I was getting in the cart to, like, get swooped away, I was actually in there negotiating with these dudes for two hours. Wow. Yeah, ours was, like, 45, 50 minutes, Freaking I think. nuts, man. Yeah. It was, like, two I loved hours it. Is crazy. It was, like, an adrenaline. It was kind of rad. Yeah. And um, Two hours into eight minutes. Isn't that crazy? <sighs> how they do that? So gnarly. They can manipulate it so oh, much. Yeah. We had like a 15-minute edit, which I still that's was like, pretty damn, good. that's like, we we lucked out. Like, yeah. we got the last 15 minutes of the So of you were the, the final pitch of this mm-hmm. that episode? That's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. And I think it was all just because it's very unassuming. And then when mm-hmm. you go get in there, like, it was like, whoa, there's actually like a real thing here. Yeah. Um, but after we were in the golf cart, because they almost truly didn't let me come on. Like, they, I was such a wild card for them. Yeah. And the main producer was like, wait, 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 stop the cart. And he's like, I have to shake your hand. I have to hug you. That's sweet. Like, dude, you crushed that. I was like, not sure how this would go, but that was like one of the best we've seen. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So it was like a cool, I think I just do well under pressure and like Mm -hmm. with adrenaline Mm -hmm. that like is actually really fun for me. Yeah. And the adrenaline goes just crazy in there. (laughs) I remember it. Yeah, I was shaky wild. and yeah, and I wasn't myself. The same. And people will watch it and be like, how are you so composed? You were yeah. so cool and yeah. collected. And it's like, no, I wasn't, dude. Yeah, it's hard. If you only knew. Like, yeah. I see myself and I'm like, that's cringy because I 
can tell that I'm like tripping. Yeah. Or, or the parts, I'm sure like once you warm up too, like once oh, you're in I there a bit, yeah. then you're in a flow. Yeah. Yeah. So then it aired how, uh, like, w- what was that like? Did you have enough time to stock up on inventory when they called you and told you they're actually airing? Cause that's the thing too, is you have to wait for them to be like, you're airing here. Yeah, dude. And I was like, I don't want to get too in over my head. Like, yeah. So I came back, I knew I had a, I knew it there. Because mm-hmm. I was like, that was Yeah, especially if the producer's like, that yeah. was good, that's I knew it good. Over there. Yeah. So I came back. I didn't have a Shopify website. I was still on Wix and it mm-hmm. was crashing. Like mm-hmm. even pre Shark Tank, it was like crashing because too much traffic. Good, good choice to switch it over. Yeah, dude. So I was like, okay, first things first, I got to get a website. And then we were doing our own shipping. So I was mm-hmm. like, and then I got to get somebody to help shipping. Okay. So got a 3PL I like, set up. Mm-hmm, I got all that stuff sorted and then they called me and they were like hey we're gonna we're gonna air you in a week in a week they only give you a week heads up <laughs> yeah wow I, it was so intense yeah and you're producing in la still at the time mm-hmm. so at least you, it's a little quicker right yeah I, I mean well no so we had i had time i can't remember it might have been like a month or two two months and okay then, to, like I knew they give you was, like a high level heads up, yeah, and then they, they gave no, you. No, they official. didn't even tell me I was going to air, but I knew I was. I was like, we got to do this, and get it like set up. And then they called me, and they were like, you have a week. We're going to put you on the air. And I was like, all right, here we go. Wow, that's such a short time. You know, even that heads up. Oh, so gnarly. So yeah. yeah, like best advice people gave me was like, sell as much as you can, but then also be prepared for the weeks following. Yep. And like we yeah, were, we totally had. Stuff. Yeah, we had mm-hmm. like. We had enough. I mean, we. I think we rode that for a really long time, and we re-air all the time still. Like, mm-hmm. we're like one of the free episodes on Hulu, so people can watch it. That's still. great. And then we got so much press after that yeah. too, which we yeah. rode that for. It just as long dumps as we could. people in your funnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm rad. guessing like your customer acquisition costs on ads dropped, all Dude, that stuff. We didn't even do any of that crap. No so, paid ads at the time. Mm-hmm. That's great. So it was like. Just gravy, man. Mm-hmm. And then you just take that and run with it. You Build know? on it. Yeah. yeah. So then what was the what was the growth like the following years then? Like what was it? Yeah. I mean, we had, I kind of was, the unique part about rags is like we kind of had to stunt our growth because it's limited. Yeah. So it's really tricky to stay authentic to limited edition while also trying to scale. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, like we had Disney reach out and Marvel and Star Wars. I had to like tell them no for the first two years because mm-hmm. it was like, we're not ready. We can barely keep up with demand. Yeah. So growth was great, but mm-hmm. it was also like we had to make sure we were like staying really disciplined in, yep. in that. Uh, Nordstrom, same thing. Like we did one run with Nordstrom after and that's like a funny story. I actually called their accounting department and was like, hey, because you can't find the baby buyer's information. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I accidentally got transferred into the accounting. I need to, can you transfer me back over to the baby buyer? And mm-hmm. they were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Sent great. Me in, and the yeah. chick had seen the Shark Tank. So oh, there was like perfect. so many benefits from that, you know. Yeah. We did one run with Nordstrom. It was chaos crazy. They sold out in the first yeah. day. And then I just scaled everything back. Honestly, I was like, we're not ready for all of this and I want to do mm-hmm. it right. Yeah, and so, retail is, is they, uh, that's where, like, you can really lose control. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I mm-hmm. wanted to understand my consumer more. I wanted yeah. to have a better grasp. I wanted to, like, mm-hmm. grow that community so we had a solid base so Nordstrom didn't just, like, own my brand. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, like dictate I, pricing and all that stuff. Totally, yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, we saw amazing growth, and it was ama- it was awesome. But I, I kind of... Um, 
like on purpose stunted that just yeah. because I wanted to make sure we were being responsible in our in our deal. Yeah, that's good. Like once you have those throttles and those levers, mm-hmm. you can control, then that's good. Mm-hmm. So you can stay still like sustain, you know, a healthy amount of sales without, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. within control. Yeah, you don't want to overextend and yeah. and then it just goes to hell. Fast. So did, did you ever do financing rounds after that or? Yeah, so um, I ended up not taking that money. And yeah. then I was at an event and I met Jeremy. It was at Trigger. I met Jeremy Andrus. Oh, wow. Didn't I, know much I about met him, him recently for the first time. Did you? Yeah. He's interested in Durai. Oh, right. And I hope he would invest. You hope he wouldn't? It would. Oh, Because he's a rock star. He's He's, he's, he's on my board. He's incredible. The That's so valuable. Yeah. So I yeah. met up with him. Same thing. Like, knew that he was like a great guy. Didn't mm-hmm. didn't really understand mm-hmm. like who I was talking to. So yeah. we ended up like spending a couple hours that night. Super cool guy. Like very um, just normal. Yeah. Like, very normal. That's very what, normal. I, I only spent like literally an hour with him and I felt like I walked out. I was like way chill. Like shockingly. And I've known Jeremy now for years. Mm-hmm. But like you kind of wait for something like, wait, when are you going to like show me your real colors or like business can get intense and like, mm-hmm. what's this going to look like? Mm-hmm. And he's always just maintained such a level head and so That's respectful great. and such a badass. Like, mm-hmm. so anyway, like really smart money. Yeah. Like we talked forever and then I was like, dude, I would love, he was really interested in rags mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't want to take your money, but I would give you some equity if you could just like advisory advise. Cool. And he was like, no, I want to invest. And I was like, yeah. So he, and I just like went back and forth. Um, and I ended up like saying to Jeremy, like, cool, I will let you invest if you can help me get the guy from Supreme and then a dude <laughs> cool. from Stance yeah. that I that I really wanted. And mm-hmm. he ended up doing it for me. Wow. And we did so it. A solid and board then, huh? Yeah, it was like, um, I feel like that was like, I didn't really want the money, but it was the people that that's, I was that, interested in. That's like the way to do it. Because that's where I'm at with DeRay. It's like, I don't need investment capital it would be great, like, gasoline mm-hmm. at the time, but it's more about who it's with. 100%. And it's like, if I don't get who the right people, then I just keep passing it up until I find the right people. And it can make your life hell if you don't yeah, get the right people. I don't want to deal with, like, the traditional VCs. I'd rather deal with, you know, having someone like himself that values the true quality of a good brand and, you know... And since they're more of like a family office model, they're also not in a huge rush. No, yeah. Totally. Which is great because yeah. then they don't push you to like, because I've seen brands where they hire too many people and then they like rush to the races and then they implode. Dude, Jeremy is like the most realistic, coolest, mm. like he he That's understands valuable. brand mm-hmm. and he understands like sometimes these, we actually do have VC money too. Um which he will even say to the VCs because he's very familiar with them. But like VCs can actually crush brands because mm-hmm. they force this growth year over year. Yeah. And then you're you're leveraged and you have to do stuff that will like hurt brand. Yeah. So it's kind of a really good balance, you know. And then That's the good. Supreme guy, he's awesome because they understand the limited edition model. And yeah. they understand like staying disciplined in that. And it took Supreme 20 
20 plus years to get to where they are and mm-hmm. they end up having this unbelievable exit, you know. That's insane. So, yeah, like I think that has been – that was an interesting thing even going through the Shark Tank deal was like I just want to make sure that who I'm partnering with is actually really valuable. I don't necessarily yeah. need the money. Yep. You know. And that's how I felt with Kevin. Mm-hmm. And it's just – it's been, what, five years now. So – Not smart money. Unless, no. like, and everybody was like, if you need the money, do it. But and I was like, no, dude, I don't want It's not money. about the money. I feel yeah. like Shark Tank. And if you go in with that mindset, then you can work it better. Oh, where, totally. where it's like you're negotiating the involvement and not the amount of money. Because the other thing is, too, is when you air in Shark Tank, you can go find plenty of people that will give you a way mm-hmm. better deal. Mm-hmm. So I even said that on the air. I remember they were like, why are you here? You don't need the money. And Mm. I was clear like, yeah, you're right. I don't. I could walk into a bank and get better Mm. terms and Mm. like more money probably. But I was Mm. like, I'm here for your network. Yeah. So and it it ended up like really panning out because then I was able to do that later, Mm -hmm. you know, with people that are rock stars. Are you going to that reunion in July in Vegas? No. Me either. (laughs) I I never have. I never have. Okay. I met because I... Always like bump elbows. Like I met um, Scrub Daddy. Okay, yeah. He's an interesting character. Um, you know, he's a, they're aggressive over there, Scrub Daddy. Are they? Yeah, they're growing hard. Dude, awesome. Uh, and then I met the sweetest uh, um, entrepreneur. She did the the elephant dropper. You don't remember that one? She's like episode I one. I don't even watch Shark Tank anymore because I don't gives watch me it anxiety. either. I, I'm like, the same way. Ah. After that, we stopped watching it. But she yeah. was in season one, and she made this like elephant kids medicine oh, I dropper. That. Yeah, yeah. And she, uh, she's just like the kindest lady ever. Oh, I and bet. I met her, and she's super sweet. And then I have like a few clients that have gone on and. Um, yeah, it's, it's a rad well network. I'm in like a Facebook group with all of them and mm-hmm. dude, the stuff in there is like so valuable. Mm-hmm. Like really, really cool. Yeah. They all have amazing contacts everywhere. Yeah. So that stuff has been rad. I just, I'm like so limited in what and where I time. spend my time. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, I don't yeah. like to socialize as much anymore. Yeah. yeah I mean, this is the extent of my socialization. Yeah, here we are. This is same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> same. So, so then these days, what is, what do you... Like, what are you working on? Like, how involved are you? Yeah. So I actually took a a step back for a couple of years Mm -hmm. and um, just had some personal life stuff that I wanted to, like, focus on and do. And Mm -hmm. now, just recently, I would say since it's been like six or seven months, I... I, like, was, like, dude, I'm ready to dig in and, like, do what I love. Like, it became... I think I just got burned out and I needed a minute, you know, and now I'm like back in doing what I love, designing and branding and that kind of stuff is so fun. And just like community. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty involved. Like I'm back in it and doing my That's great to take the break though too. Oh yeah, I had to. Some entrepreneurs won't. And I think it's smart to take the break Mm -hmm. and hold on knowing that you can go back versus some people they go to take the break and then they just sell it. And they realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't have sold it yet. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and yeah. it's harder to get back to it. Right. It's like, so a great move. It's it's a, it, I understand all of that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like what has happened is really hard to do again. And you have almost like a different uh, 
energy coming back. So huh? true. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. probably need that at some point. It, it was rad. And my kids are like at a really cool age where mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I can't miss out on yeah. some of this well, stuff. You know, you can be friends with them versus it's the so parent rad. as much, it's right? It's so fun. Yeah. I look forward to that. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. So do you have like a exit plan and you want to just grow it forever? Like, what are your thoughts there? I mean, I think I've always said this in the, in the beginning, because mm-hmm. especially when you're raising, you have to know, like, yeah, you got to tell these guys like what you want to do, you yeah. know? And I think for me, it's like, as long as it's fun and like, I'm enjoying it and it, and it allows me to have another, you know, allows me to be present with my kids and my family. And mm-hmm. like, I have this deal that's fun. Mm-hmm. then I could do it forever. You know? So it is like lifestyle business for you. Totally. But yeah. like, I'm not opposed to also being like, if somebody wants to take it and mm-hmm. buy it and scale it and take it to another level that I just don't want to do. Like that's something that I'm not interested in. Mm-hmm. Like I'm open to that too, you know? Yeah. But if the right resource comes by. Yeah. It's, it's the same with raising money, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to keep cruising. And then if the mm-hmm. right thing happens and it's a good fit, Absolutely, I'll take advantage That's of that. That's good. So. Yeah, and if it's sustainable and healthy financially, then yeah. you can. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so do you, what do you do on the side of it? Anything on the side? I know you're doing tangible. Yeah. Was that like a side hustle or yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, I love Madeline and Scott, and mm-hmm. they approached, I think Rags was like one of the first direct-to-consumer brands, mm-hmm. you know, out of that like era. Yeah. Um, and they approached me, I just have had like good relationships with them and they mm-hmm. asked if I would want to be involved. And actually I was talking about this yesterday. I think that they're so cool now. Like there's so many resources for people wanting to start a, mm-hmm. a business or a brand that we didn't have when I was starting. Like yeah. there's like, I've spoken at the colleges around here. There's like mm-hmm. all these entrepreneurial programs. And then tangible was like, when they pitched that, I was like, dude, I would love to get on board. Like an yeah. e-commerce school that like, you're getting all these people in here that are like-minded mm-hmm. and, you know, networking. And we saw some cool stuff happen, like mm-hmm. brands that were spun up there. And yeah. now you're driving down the freeway and they're on the billboard. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I, and there's a lot of like SaaS and tech and all that. Mm-hmm. So I've always felt like the odd person out doing hardware, mm-hmm. you know, totally. or I don't like software. I never will be involved with it. You know? Yeah, but Utah's like a massive tech scene here. Yeah. Yeah. So I always felt like the odd person out, but then I also saw it as like an advantage. It is an advantage. So for sure. especially with like AI and all that stuff, it's like, you know, you can't use AI without hardware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully that helps me in the future too. Yeah. Tangible was a fun little side gig. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always now being approached with, all sorts of things, which mm-hmm. is fun. And mm-hmm. it's also interesting. But I think my, it's just like the chapter and the season of life I'm in. Mm-hmm. I have, I think we get it wrong. Like mm-hmm. we all work so hard and we're taking on so much. And we have this, these like unbelievable years that we're young and healthy and like kids and yeah. taking advantage of that. And mm-hmm. then when you get older and you want to settle down, then that's when you take on more. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I'm kind of like, I just, right now, this season and chapter, I could do a million things because that's so fun for me and yeah. I like being busy. But mm-hmm. I also have like kids and my, I don't know, that I'm like, these will these years will never be yeah. the same. So I but just want to take free, advantage you, of that. You have a team too where you can pick and choose what you do. Yeah. Which is like, you know, now I'm thankfully too where I have like a team. It's super helpful to be mm-hmm. like, 
you know, delegate and just trust them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if I wanted to like, join in on a project and shadow a project that I enjoy or yeah. like the client that I enjoy working with, then I can. Yeah, totally. And I think that's so, like, I'm happy doing that. Yeah, so, so fun. Yeah. Yeah, you work hard to get it to that point. Mm -hmm. And then you can be a lot more specific on what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So then what are some of the big things that you would, you like, learned over the last, I mean, that you're at like 10 plus years now, right? Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. So what would be like some of the, the big hit or takeaways that you would tell entrepreneurs or you do tell entrepreneurs that are like your field notes? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I think, you know, you're an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. like you learn so much and you make so many mistakes. So yeah. it's almost like second go around, I could do this and ramp it way faster than yeah. I did prior. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the biggest takeaway that's like obvious on my brain right now is like you know your business better than anybody and mm -hmm. like it's a little bit intimidating having to follow your gut and instincts mm -hmm. but they got you somewhere and so be be really mindful with when you're going to delegate or when you're going to hire people in to, to run certain like functions of your business mm -hmm. to still trust your own instincts and your gut because yeah. they can come from massive organizations that have done way more than you. Yeah. But like, and so you, you want to trust them to an extent, but also understanding like, yeah, it, imposter syndrome is like a very real thing mm -hmm. and, and fe feeling like, oh, these guys are coming from like these, these massive empires and they're going to come in here and make things happen. Yeah. It's like, and but they don't, and they don't <laughs> like, they don't know, they don't know what you know. Yeah. And like that can feel yeah. Really daunting and, and sometimes I want them to know what I yeah, <laughs> know but they so don't. bad. But they don't. So I think that's a huge lesson learned. Like Yeah, I've seen that too. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's like uh and especially when you're at the level when you can start bringing on those resources. Right. It's like for example, when I hired Alicia, uh the CEO that I hired mm -hmm. for Durai, I mean, I had like five hundred applicants. Oh yeah. And I went through you know, most of them were just like old dudes looking for a salary. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, you don't know what the hell you're mm -hmm. like. This is a direct-to-consumer, female-focused brand, and your background is in, you know, semiconductors. Right. Like, why are you even applying to this? Um, so that was easy to filter a lot of them out. But once I got to, like, the the process, there was the 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 her experience we already knew was there and she had jumped around like small companies, big companies, and she's at Walker Edison. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, home good space, direct to consumer. That's great. But the thing is, is like the vibe and the personality mm. and where her like, you know, like that side of things. So we started doing tests, like almost like mini projects where we yeah. test their ability to like put a plan together. And, right. and, and once you're, that that has been super valuable. Like we did that for a VP of marketing hire recently, and she came back with just like an incredible presentation, yeah. and had, you know, it was really well thought out. It was really well researched and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, versus a a big someone from Microsoft or whatever might totally. be like, oh, I did this and I so did true? this over there and blah 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 blah. And it's like, oh yeah, this is a sure bet. So I've, yeah, that mistake happens. Like, and, and you can get this unbelievable rap sheet and they look so damn good on paper, yeah. but it isn't until you do what you just said. So yeah. it's like, even if you, they're not as experienced, 
I think a lot of it comes down to personality. Like how scrappy are you? How willing are you? Like how much do you want this? Where are you at in your career? Mm -hmm. Do you just want a paycheck or do you want to like actually make a difference and grow? Yeah. There's two very different kind of um, leaders. And I think for my deal, it's a like, and speaking with Jeremy and stuff, you know, talking through this, it's like you need to be able to be small business minded with like big business Mm-hmm. abilities like yeah but also still don't come in here and layer in a ton of overhead like yeah still be willing to like be scrappy think outside the box and scale yeah because they, they can't they're not as likely to roll their sleeves up and get Dude, to the meat deal. of it yeah. they're used to de- like delegating yeah. all of it so it's like well you it's don't like have a team right that. now yeah, like, <laughs> so like you need I to do, do this that. for the first few months and then let's <laughs> yeah. prove some stuff and then yes. we'll hire this role and yes. then this role yeah. and slowly build. And that's like one of those things where it's almost like, you know, are you are you OK going back into the trenches? Dude, you know? and, the, and then also trusting your gut when they try to push back on mm-hmm. it, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, no, like I want to. I want to see how yeah, that's, how you do in this environment. That's a good point. Not a lot of people talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I also like the point about the smart money and being patient with it. I think that's uh, mm-hmm. something too that people would miss. Oh, uh, totally. That's a good field note, and yeah. I think the way you did it that you got that's perfect. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I feel like I lucked out. Yeah, but a lot of that is just because I, I didn't. I feel like. Rags is is really great and it's a means, mm-hmm. but it's like I'm not going like there's certain things I will not do. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to sell my soul. Yeah, you know. And it's like that when you're making decisions for retail, when you're making decisions to work with a partner or licensing or investors or whatever. Like mm-hmm. really understand like what's going to motivate you and what's going to drive you because you could mm-hmm. make a decision really fast that would just handcuff you to your yeah. deal, and that sucks. Yeah. You know, so yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right. Wild. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah. It's fun. All right. Thanks for listening to Rachel talk about the founding of Rags to Rachel's. AKA rags. We're not sure what to call it because we've seen it both ways. So I just want to make sure that we say correctly. (laughs) Great episode. Great chat with her. A lot of similar experiences. I love her founding story of how she was making these on her own, her own creativity and her own skill of making her own apparel and Obviously, she had good taste in what she was making to have so many people ask her about specific items where she got it and so on and so forth. And I think that's the perfect type of founding story where you create something for yourself and then people ask you for it. And then you end up realizing there's an opportunity for you to make it for everybody. Uh, And if you look at their stuff online, she creates great products. It's, uh, you know, very stylish and modern and, you know, different and has its own, you know, its own style that's unique to them. I think she's done an incredible job and she's had some great stories to tell about how she got to where she's at today. Before we jump into the field notes really quickly, I wanted to remind you of Klugonics, the sponsor of this episode. Yes, it's my company. We help you make stuff, whatever you want, consumer products. We've made hundreds and hundreds of products, helping them design, engineer, prototype, manufacture, manage production, deal with all of the pains and issues that you deal with while making a product, we can help you get through it. Reach out to us on our website, www.klugonics.com. That's K-L-U-G-O-N-Y-X.com. And our phone number, 
866-870-1293. Give us a call. Back to the field notes. Big field note that every founder I'm sure can relate to is being aware of burning out. It happens at all stages of business. At the very early stages, it happens during growth phases. It happens during phases where you're flat and you know you kind of get burnt out from being flat. And it's definitely something you have to pay attention to and watch out for. And it's hard to know when you're burning out or you're already burnt out. And I, I, Rachel made a good point point of outsourcing what you can as you grow, especially if there's a lot of things you could take off your plate by outsourcing to help lighten your load can be super valuable and really help prevent burnout. So great note there that I think every single entrepreneur can relate with or relate to. Of course, remembering that you'll learn so much during your entrepreneurial journey and a lot of mistakes will be had. I feel like if you're not making mistakes, you're doing doing it wrong. You just can't be perfect. So embracing and uh, you know realizing that mistakes are going to happen, and when they do happen, paying attention and understanding why it happened, looking back and uh, diagnosing what happened, and then learning from that and moving forward, knowing it's not going to happen again, is super valuable. And then when you're talking with other entrepreneurs and founders and listening to founders' field notes, <laughs> make sure that you pay attention to the mistakes that they're making. So hopefully you can learn from them. So you don't make the same mistake that another entrepreneur did. When you're scaling your business and you're bringing on more and more experienced resources, you know, sometimes they might bring an expertise that worked with one type of business or another, you know, something they've done in the past. But in your gut, if you feel like it's not going to work, you know, stay true to your business. You know it better than them. You started it. You're, you know, you've been growing it. You're bringing them in from the outside. So a lot of times, you know, just stay strong with what your opinion is and you, you don't, necessarily want someone to come in that has experience that maybe be parallel to what you do, but then they come and make some major changes thinking they're solving a problem and create more problems. And if your gut is telling you that, you should probably stick with it because you know your business better than anybody else. Great point. And a lot of things that a lot of times, you know, for a founder, when you bring in a big wig or a very experienced resource, it's really hard to not say yes to other suggestions or kind of give into their input because uh, you, you know, you hired them for that reason. Could be a sticky situation to be in or a tough situation or a tough decision to make. But if your gut is telling you one way, probably worth going and sticking with your gut. The other good point, which I agree with, and this is probably why I still haven't raised money for my businesses really since starting them is smart money is better than just a check, you know, especially when you're raising capital. If you get money and wait it out to find the right money, it's worth it versus getting into a situation where you need to raise money and you just raise whatever you can get. It's much better to just get capital from someone that adds value. I totally agree with that. And I think that's partially why I've held out on raising capital for so long is because I just haven't found the right relationship with a potential investor or advisor. Uh, So worth sticking out and waiting for the right capital to get infused into your business. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next couple of weeks. Follow us on all the social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, wherever. And uh, we're on all the podcast spots we can be. So thanks for listening. See you next time. 